Welcome to Psychedelicast. Hosted by Clinton Cayley, this show is an interview-based podcast focused on offering listeners in-depth information concerning plant medicines, entheogens, and all subjects tangential to psychedelia. Join us in prying open the third eye. Welcome to Psychedelicast, brothers and sisters. I am your constant host, Clinton Cayley. Thank you for joining us today. It's a beautiful day. We're excited to be here. Today being April the 5th, uh, record recording date, release date, April the 6th, Monday. Beautiful afternoon here in the great city of Houston, Texas. It was a really cool weekend, y'all. We got to spend some time with the family, disconnect from the social media, and then um, also got to be involved in some various um, honorary uh, things dealing with Terrence McKenna, and I saw a lot of cool stuff going around uh, dealing with his death date, uh, which was Friday. And uh, so on Friday, I saw a lot of cool stuff going on with him. I hope you guys enjoyed our last segment, which was a Rawcast Recycle discussing Terrence's life and times. I really did a lot of research for that one. Um, so if you haven't listened to that and you're interested in Terrence McKenna, just back up one episode and take a peep at that. Today, we are joined by John Steiner and Sinclair Fleetwood of the Mystical Heart Collective. Um, The Mystical Heart Collective offers personal and group coaching focused on personal empowerment, recovery, and psychedelic integration support. Their transformational events and retreats create a safe space for deep healing through vulnerability and community. We're going to speak with both John and Sinclair here momentarily. A little bit more about the Mystical Heart Collective Um, We are John and Sinclair, a magical manifesting power couple that found our way to each other through the stars, on prayers, and intentions born in a sacred ceremonial fire in the Andes Mountains of Ecuador. As the psychedelic sheep in our families, we bonded over our shared triumph in recovery over addiction, our deep commitment to doing the real spiritual growth work of awakening, and our gratitude and willingness to be in service to our own continued healing and the healing of others. Also, we fell madly in love and have the best time doing life as partners, colleagues, and best friends. Got a great interview with both of these beautiful, wonderful people coming up for you guys. We are excited to offer you this one today. Stay tuned. Are you interested in the medicinal benefits of cannabis, but concerned with the legal and professional ramifications of using marijuana? CBD's Apothecary is a one-stop shop for all your CBD needs. People all over the world are turning to CBD to alleviate stress and anxiety, get better sleep, reduce inflammation, relieve pain, and so much more. CBD's Apothecary curates a full line of branded and lab-tested CBD products. Visit www.cbdsapothecary.com to shop our CBD oils, vapes, edibles, topicals, and supplements. CBD's Apothecary is also home to the only CBD-infused nut edible on the planet, CBD's Nuts. Our edibles start at just $5 a bag, and we've recently reduced the price of our most popular product, CBD's Drops 1000 mg CBD oil, to only $50. We have specifically priced our products to make CBD affordable and accessible to everyone. Shop now at www.cbdeezapothecary.com. Psychedelicast listeners enjoy 10% off at checkout with promo code CBDMED. That's CBDMED. Thank you, CBD's Apothecary. 
okay guys so not a lot of housekeeping to do today um if you heard our last episode discussing mr mckenna then you know that we are changing our format and scheduling slightly uh, this week monday will be the interview episode which you are listening to right now next week on monday you are going to get a kind of psychedelic review news reading of mine uh, kind of a little psychedelic grab bag we're going to nail down exactly what those episodes are going to consist of as we go along and see what we like and see what works and what we don't um next week you won't get an interview but you're going to get a great episode filled with excellent content nonetheless i'm excited to deliver that style of episode to you um Beyond that, guys, thank you so much for being engaged with us on the social medias. We are on Facebook and Instagram at Psychedelicast. You can follow us over there. We're constantly trying to post cool, thought-provoking, funny, interesting uh, content in various ways, creating memes, doing, having fun with it, learning, and being involved in the community. So get involved with us on social media. Also, whatever app you're using to catch this podcast on, it would be a great help to us if you would subscribe to the show, um, as well as leave a review on that app, especially iTunes. So I would love for all of our listeners to go onto the iTunes app right now, give us a five-star review, and drop us a little love on there. That would be fantastic. I would certainly appreciate it. You help the show grow. We can spend more time doing it. We can reach uh, high-caliber guests. We can reach more people. We can have more fun doing this. So um, you guys have been great thus far. I only ask that you continue doing that. Thank you so much. Engage with the show and subscribe and review us on the podcatchers. Let's talk some psychedelic news. Today in psychedelic news, we're going to offer you an article from the Sacramento Bee, sacbee.com. This article was written by Morgan Campbell. It was written on April the 2nd, 2020, and it is entitled, Can Psychedelic Therapy Reduce the Mental Health Impacts of the Coronavirus Pandemic? Pandemic strikes mean physical illness for many and trauma for all. The 2003 SARS outbreak led to terrifying increases in depression and post-traumatic stress disorder among caregivers, those quarantined, and people affected in other ways. How can we prepare for the mental health impact of the coronavirus pandemic? To address the inevitable spike of mental illnesses, we must hasten the approval of new evidence-based medications for depression and PTSD. These include the psychedelic compounds MDMA and psilocybin. 20 years of trials for psilocybin and 10 years for MDMA show that they outperform currently approved medications for depression and PTSD. A recent clinical trial of veterans, firefighters, and police officers with PTSD found that after two doses of MDMA, symptoms were significantly reduced and this effect lasted until the study ended at one year. According to a 2020 study from the Journal of Psychopharmacology, a single dose of psilocybin can make symptoms of depression significantly improve and this benefit lasts multiple years. Recognizing this, the Food and Drug Administration has recently given breakthrough status to MDMA and psilocybin. Means the FDA is expediting development and review of MDMA and psilocybin because they, quote, may demonstrate substantial improvement over other therapy on a clinically significant endpoint, end quote there. Still, it could be years before final approval. Last month, the FDA relaxed regulations in the approval process for COVID-19 therapies because addressing the problem faster can help flatten the curve. This means keeping the health infrastructure from being overwhelmed by new cases. 
Speedily addressing psychiatric issues with the best therapies available can similarly protect our healthcare system. Because of how many years MDMA and psilocybin have been tested for safety and efficacy, there is better quality evidence for these psychedelics than the evidence that will be required to approve COVID-19 antivirals. An important difference, however, is the stigma surrounding psychedelics. MDMA is the active ingredient in the drug ecstasy, and psilocybin is the active molecule in magic mushrooms. The federal government is understandably cautious about prescribing compounds known as drugs of abuse, especially because their acute effects actually mimic mental illnesses. In the period of intoxication lasting a few hours, they cause hallucinations and make users, users lose touch with reality. And yet, despite their destabilizing short-term effects, long-term side effects appear minimal. The most serious risk is impaired judgment, which can be controlled when the therapies are given in a controlled clinical setting. Inciting panic attacks is also possible. There are even reports of lasting visual disturbances in habitual users. This may occur in about 1 in 50,000 habitual users of psychedelics, although the exact rate is unknown. Larger confirmatory clinical trials are underway to establish the risks and benefits with even more precision. For example, one study on MDMA is taking place in multiple sites in the U.S., Canada, and Israel, and is expected to be completed in 2021. As we await definitive results from these trials, let us grant temporary approval to psychedelics to protect our own healthcare infrastructures and save lives. Good article there coming to you from the Sacramento Bee. Let's get into this fascinating and heart-opening interview with John Steiner and Sinclair Fleetwood of the Mystical Heart Collective. Very excited to offer you this one, guys. Enjoy. Welcome to Psychedelicast. I'm Clint Cayley. I have a dual interview today with uh, some folks out of, um, let's see here, y'all's project is known as the Mystical Heart Collective. I have mm-hmm. John Steiner, and your name is Sinclair... Fleetwood, Sinclair. like Fleetwood Mac. Okay, Sinclair Fleetwood and John <laughs> Steiner. Am I saying it right? Steiner or Steiner? Yeah, Steiner. yeah, right on the money. Great. Welcome, guys. Welcome to the show. Um, I have some questions for you, like some prompts that we're going to lead into some stuff. But I think the best place is just to kind of start with maybe each of your individual stories, uh, like mm-hmm. maybe an overview, and then your story together. And then we'll kind yeah. of move into like your projects and, and what we're going to – the meat of our conversation. So why don't we start with uh, ladies first? Sinclair, why don't you kind of – so I'm from Texas, just like you. Um, I grew up in Amarillo and then moved to Austin to go to college at Southwest Texas, which is now Texas State, and ended up just really falling in love with that part of the country um, and moved to Austin after I graduated. And I worked in nonprofit for about a little over a decade. I worked for the Red Cross for about eight years doing disaster relief, um, social service, helping people after fires, things like that. And um, I worked in a substance abuse treatment center as their director of volunteers. Then I worked in education for a little while and just kind of found myself not really fulfilled in my career or my life. 
Uh, I had a pretty nasty alcohol addiction um, for about 15 years of that time. And, you know, I was a functional um, party girl and I like made, you know, money and I had a place to live. I had everything on paper, but I was just, I was really unhappy. And I met this girl and she, we became really good friends and she took me to Burning Man and I ended up coming back and kind of burning my life down. <laughs> I quit my job. I sold all my stuff. And I didn't really know what I was going to do, but I knew what I wasn't going to do, which was live in Austin anymore. Um, and the universe agreed with me and gave me a cosmic bitch slap of putting me in a car accident where I broke my face. Like, the just it broke my nose and my hand. And I was really like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Um, and I ended up moving back to Amarillo to live with my family. Um, and kind of was just really depressed and lost and a little suicidal actually. Um, and so I, I was doing some freelance work at the time. I make websites, uh, that's sort of my side job, but I, I started doing like making art and I ended up going back to Burning Man for the second year and I got sober from alcohol at Burning Man. And it was a really transformative experience. And I had worked with mushrooms, um, some in my younger years and had some really powerful positive experiences with mushrooms and some really powerful terrifying experiences with mushrooms mm -hmm. and um, I didn't at that time I wasn't treating the mushrooms as medicine and um, the last time I took mushrooms I had been drinking and the mushrooms were like don't come back here <laughs> and I was like yeah um, but I they kind of, I, I started hearing about ayahuasca and hearing about, um, from a friend of mine. So I sort of looked into it and I was just like, mm, that sounds insane. I don't know about that. And had no intention of going to South America. Like I was getting sober. I was like, okay, I'm living my life. I'm doing good. I'm not going to drink anymore. And I got this kind of calling to go down to South America. And I went to Peru, tried to hike up the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu and got violently ill and on my way down I had to walk down by myself I was basically crawling down I was really sick I had this vision where ayahuasca came to me in this mountain and was like it's time for you to start working with me are you ready and I was like not in Peru please no <laughs> so um, I ended up going to Ecuador by myself um, and fell in love with Ecuador and uh, came back to the states and I was I was like it's I'm ready to go meet these medicines and I want to do it in Ecuador and so that's how I ended up I went down there for a retreat and I stayed for two years. <laughs> wow. Um, and yeah, I became the manager of a retreat center for and worked with over 400 people uh, helping them take ayahuasca and San Pedro. Worked with it extensively myself. Continue to work with it and um, we ended up meeting there and um starting now starting this business so let john tell his story yeah <clears throat> okay so, yeah very similar similar story for me we um part of the reason we linked up so well i had um when i was younger i had a real nasty opiate addiction and got clean from that in 2010 went to 12 step meetings a lot and you know at the time i'm, I'm so grateful to them it really saved my life and um you know, and then I kind of grew out of it. I was looking for something more, and my life was going really well on the outside. I got back into school. I was uh, into sports, so I was weightlifting and wanted to be a weightlifting coach, and 
you know, had this like checklist of all the things you're supposed to do on the outside that, you know, I thought once I fulfill these things, then some deeper level of happiness or fulfillment will happen in my life. And it was like one after the other, just check, 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 right off when I was graduating college and moved into a house, had a partner, you know, had this job, had succeeded in sports in the way I wanted to. And like, I had this big checklist complete. And I was like, well, why, why do I still feel like something's missing? And um, I had some friends, you know, taking LSD for fun. And I thought, you know, I remember when I was, you know, much younger, I had taken it and I, I had put it down because I was like, this is something I not to be taken for fun. This is, this is no joke. <laughs> and um, so I thought, you know, maybe I'll sit with it again and it'll help me get a new perspective on my life and what I need to do. And it was time to burn down my life too. It was like, you know, showed me just how inauthentic living, you know, teaching people about the competitiveness of sports and, you know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But for me personally, I saw that my deepest self believed in cooperation rather than competition. And it just, man, it laid the smack down on look at all these different ways you're living inauthentic to yourself. And okay, now that you got this information, what are you going to do about it? So burnt down my life, moved back in with my parents and was trying to figure out what the hell to do. And through a series of synchronicities, I got, you know, turned on to ayahuasca and same kind of thing. I, I went down there and was looking for like a, a connection to myself, looking to find like, you know, kind of like a jump off point to what to do with all this information that I got working with the LSD. And man, I found that and so much more. And they asked me to, well, I asked to come back as a volunteer. I came back and volunteered at the retreat center for a little bit. And, Ended up, same thing, being a manager at the place and helping to facilitate ceremonies and stayed there for, you know, the last 18 months or something like that. And it was a really uh, transformative time in my life. And, um, you know, now that the met, met Sinclair, we wanted to continue working with the medicines. We were noticing that, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of people that came down there kind of looking for a quick fix. They were looking, you know, I heard about the miracle of ayahuasca and San Pedro. I'll come down there. I know I'll, I'll drink this medicine. I won't have to do much. The medicine's going to do all the heavy lifting. I won't have to do anything afterwards. Things will be fixed. And I'll just, you know, sunshine and rainbows from now on. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we learned the hard way ourselves, but that is not how it works. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, we also forgot the part about how we got together, which was we manifested our relationship in a sacred fire. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was really beautiful. So I had been like on this year of I'm gonna fall in love with myself. I wanna. That's that's kind of my thing. That's what I coach people on, and that's what I teach is self love. Mm-hmm. So many of the people that were coming down to the retreat center looking for whatever thing that was kind of the, the deep core wound was like, we don't love ourselves. So I had done this really intense year of traveling and working. Um, I became a yoga teacher in Guatemala and then just kept like going all over the place on my own. And I 
whenever John was a volunteer, I was technically his boss. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but I had had this beautiful San Pedro ceremony um, where the medicine ayahuasca had kept telling me, like, it's time for you to get a partner. You're, you've healed as much as you can by yourself. You need to get a partner. And I was like, I don't know. I feel pretty good. I don't think I need that. That sounds like a drama. I don't want to heal it. <laughs> and John had come up. We had become these, like, really, we had a really good friendship. And um, I love talking to him. He's so insightful and um, wise and funny. And I, I was, like, really enjoyed spending time with him. And I had asked for, I was like, all right, fine. I'll, I'm going to make it official then. If we're doing partners, I'm going to really ask for it. And the shaman that we work with would always tell the guests, like, be careful what you wish for, because if you ask for something in this fire, you're going to get it. And about a day later, after I had manifested, you know, I really want this partner, like, with all of these qualities that I needed in a person. I wasn't asking for John, but um, it became very clear very fast that it was going to be John. That yeah. John was so, the answer. It was pretty cool. That is <laughs> so cool. For, and then for me, it was... It was really ayahuasca playing the matchmaker. We had this nice happening ceremony, and same thing. I really had no intention on the ceremony being about this relationship. And ayahuasca, I was, my eyes were closed. I'm in the journey, and I feel this intense love, and I'm seeing this, like, blue being sitting there meditating, just radiating all this overwhelming love. Oh. And... Um, so I'm asking the medicine, what is this? You know, like, what are you, what's, why are you trying to show me this? What is, it feels nice, but what's the, what's the, the message? Uh-huh. She's like, open your eyes. And I open her eyes and she's standing there helping someone, you know, <laughs> cleaning out their purge bucket or whatever <laughs> she was doing. And the medicine's like, that's her and she wants to share it with you and how lucky you would be. So <laughs> the medicines gave us a little matchmaking and, you know, we got together and, you know, soon found out all our similarities, and we both uh, really wanted to, um, you know, there's a lot of people, like we were saying before, there's a lot of people that come down to plant medicines, and they're able to take the experience and integrate it on their own, and they're able to get the gems out of the out of the journeys and run with them, mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot of people that we ran into that were, like, missing some pieces. They weren't able to find that on their own mm-hmm. so we want to we started this business to help the people who are struggling integrating and you know sure. stepping into their power and really loving themselves that like hey you know we get that let's we yeah. want to we want to make sure everyone who comes and drinks the medicine is able to find that i want to step into the to discussing about the business here momentarily but uh, just to relate to what you guys are talking about you know my first ayahuasca experiences <clears throat> were last year in October, my previous experience with entheogens or psychedelic was very similar <clears throat> to what you guys are discussing. Where I started young, and I kind of found you know psilocybin to be brain candy would is what I would call it. You know, I was right. having I was having very profound, um, deep experiences, but I didn't have a framework to apply them to my life because I just was, you know, I'm thinking this is all a cerebral experience and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, I am learning things about myself, but I I wasn't seeing it in the context that I kind of see these experiences now. And one of the most profound things that I got out of my first night drinking ayahuasca was that I had no idea was even going to come up. I I kind of had intuited several different things that I knew were going to come up. 
kind of like uh, control, fear, anxiety, those relationships of, of those kind of the way that control creates fear in your life and, and things like that. I kind of intuited that that was going to come up, but I didn't realize what um, Sinclair was saying about loving yourself. I never even that never even crossed my mind because I'd always, you know, I've, I've always been a happy person, very content, driven in various different ways. But the medicine was like, hey, you need to learn to ex- not you need to learn to accept love from people like and, mm-hmm. and you need to learn to accept love from yourself and forgiveness from yourself. And mm-hmm. I was like that whole con- that was like the core concept that was throwing everything else off, you know. And it's not yeah. like it's not like I just learned it right then and was immediately able to apply <laughs> it to my life. Obviously, it's a it's a longer process than that. But um, that was one of the main things that came up for me. And that was, you know, it's sometimes you can't intuit what's going to happen. And it's a lot of times, though, you get thrown a curveball. And right. for me, that was a curveball because I was like, wow, like I thought the core was the need for control. And it's like, uh-huh. no, the, it's deeper than that. Like the core is even another layer. And there's probably like further layers deeper <laughs> than that. You know, I, that, I love that analogy. It's like. I had a similar experience where it's like I came with all these things and they they were on one layer and she was like, you know, if we go one layer deeper and address this one thing, all those five, six things that you thought you were going to be addressing on the higher level, they're taken care of. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's yeah. like it's like she kind of showed me this this pillar of of an issue that I didn't even recognize, you know, and so mm. but when I was shown it, I was like, oh, damn, like that makes perfect sense like i do like i have difficulty accepting you know accepting myself forgiving myself loving myself and it's not that other people aren't offering that to me and not that Mm -hmm. you know it's not even that i'm not offering that to myself but it's like i it's sometimes difficult for us to accept that for ourselves you know yeah of course and so that was a big that was a big um revelation for me because i i just had never seen that in myself before because I, you know, I come from kind of a background of like intense, like hard work is the answer, you know, like that's, that's kind of instilled in me from my father. And although I don't believe that truly, like that, that a person's value is based on that, it had kind of become my operating system, right? just almost like to a default mode, you know? So yeah. just to relate to that story. Yeah. That's, it's interesting how you go, sometimes you go into this with, uh, with one idea and you're almost right, but you're not right. quite there, you know, like, <laughs> like you're on the right track, but it, it helps you. And, you know, that's one of the amazing things about these medicines is that even if you're on the right track, it can get you down to where the core, the bedrock of, of that issue mm-hmm. is. So um, let's see here. Why don't we go ahead and move into uh, discussing your latest project, this mystical heart collective that you guys are working on. And then I kind of yeah. want to also talk about our. Um, I saw on John's page that you had been a part of Gaia Sagrada. Is that where you guys met? Were you guys both involved in that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Great. Let's. Uh, so we've kind of already touched on Gaia Sagrada. I want to talk a little deeper about that, but let's go into the Mystical Heart Collective a little deeper. Um, so I know that, or it seems from just my cursory um, look over it that you guys are focused on um, addiction recovery and you guys guys have both kind of uh, touched on that a little bit, but just tell me a little bit more about uh, in, in a little deeper detail, 
what's going on with the Mystical Heart Collective, what you hope to accomplish with that project. So our um, our main our main I guess not theory, our belief is that within each person we all have the answers that we're searching for. And you know, just like you were talking about with the ayahuasca is like, you know, the medicine was this helpful mirror to show you a part of yourself that you were unable to see on your own, right? You thought it was these couple things. If I just get these things fixed up, heal some of this, start making the progress on that. And then the mirror was like, oh, you didn't even see this one thing. Let's look at that. And, you know, we can, um, we can take care of all those things. They can help you towards whatever you're trying to heal, whatever goals you have in your life, whatever vibration you want to shift within yourself. Um, so what we're, what we're doing is, is coaching people. We do group coaching and private coaching. Um, and really what we're doing is we're acting as that mirror to help people find the answers within themselves. So um, we do uh, focus on addiction recovery because of our histories. We do focus on psychedelic integration. But, you know, it's the same thing we want to offer we want to offer as close as people can get to the medicine who are never going to get to drink the medicine or never want to drink the medicine to be able to get that mirror in their lives and get down to the core of what's going on with them and be able to start doing some work to heal it. Yeah. the I kind of used to think coaching was bullshit, really. <laughs> I was like, why would I pay someone? Like, I have my shit together. Why would I pay someone? to be in my life in this way and it's kind of like if you think I mean I'm not a sports person but I know that you know these basketball players or whatever other sports ball players they they have a coach like because the coach gets their best out of them Mm -hmm. and when I started getting coaching myself and seeing like oh my god having a one-hour conversation with someone like made me realize this thing that I'm doing in my life that I want to change. They gave me accountability exercises around like, okay, I have to, there's another person now that I have to answer to kind Mm -hmm. of. Um, And not even that, it's more like you create this professional relationship with someone who sees the best in you. Um, Mm -hmm. They can see your vision. Like one of the things that we do is um, our program is called Holistic Alchemy. And we named it that because we like to look at the whole person. Like somebody might be struggling with, you know, their relationships and maybe at work and maybe they are, you know, not doing their health habits the way that they want. It's usually all related to the same kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So instead of breaking someone out of like, okay, we're just going to work on your health habits. We're just going to work on what's going on with you at work. We are creating this thing we call the mystical heart map, which is um, we have a deep dive call with our client, and then we go over every every area of their life and kind of can figure out, okay, this is where you are, this is where you want to be, and we can create a plan, like a step-by-step plan to get them to that point. Um, and we do all kinds of stuff, like we have different exercises, different challenges. We make them read books. There's lots of homework if you work with us. <laughs> Um, but a lot of the really powerful part is just the talking and the the conversations that we have um, and and like John said, like being that mirror for someone. And we have our group coaching um, every 
so we have group coaching separately that you can sign up for. We do it every week. Um, it's tonight, actually. And it's a group of people. So you are, every week we coach someone, and then, like, the other people get to listen. And getting to hear someone else get coached is so powerful because it really helps. You're like, oh, I am doing that same thing, or, you know, you relate to it. And we we modeled that on the way that we did San Pedro ceremonies in Ecuador with our shaman. Mm-hmm. Um, some one person would go and like have a conversation with the shaman in front of everybody, and he would act like a mirror and just keep asking questions and kind of help that person figure out their own their own thing. Um, it so it was so beautiful to see this, you know, this person without. You know, it's like you go to a therapist, and therapist is like, okay, this is the problem. You need to do this. You need to blah, 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 blah. And the times I've gone to someone like that in the past telling me what my problem was and what I need to do about it, it's like it creates this block. And I'm I'm also not in my power when someone else is telling me. Mm-hmm. Um, but watching this, our friend <laughs> ask them questions and get them to this point of coming to this realization, and they're like, you know what, I I need to do this. And they're coming to, they're stepping into their power of really all by themselves. And this person was just acting like a mirror and just asking the right questions. And uh, yeah, we've been training a lot to, to be able to ask the right questions and help the people step into their power. And, you know, it's, it's, um, it's so beautiful to see when someone comes to a realization on their own um, with, it's just so powerful. It's like sure. all of us experience those aha moments on our own and, those are the ones that really stick and make some lasting change in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might have been something someone else has told you a million times, but when you tell it to yourself, you're like, exactly. the hammer hit the nail, you know? <laughs> and then you're also learning, you know, you're learning that process to of how to ask yourself those questions mm-hmm. to get down further and further and further. And uh, I think it's interesting what you said is that your project is almost offering um, for us – for for us, maybe in our life, the mirror has been the psychedelic experience. That is our mm-hmm. mirror. That's that. Those experiences are are causing us to ask ourselves these questions. Sometimes, maybe even you know, say with ayahuasca or with higher dose psilocybin, you're in con. You seem to be in contact with this other intelligence right. that's asking you these questions. Now, is that actually another aspect of yourself is that an actual yeah. outside you know and uh, yeah. and i and i remember after i my first night ayahuasca i asked the shaman that because i was like i know i feel almost silly asking this question but i'm like is this really an outside entity speaking to me or am i just speaking with myself he's like it's all the same thing like it's yeah. outside there's, yeah. no, there's so, no such thing as outside of yourself really yeah and so uh he's like you just you don't like don't Basically, don't worry about that. Just work right. work in there. Um, so that's really cool. I think that's great for um, people who are experienced in these in these altered states to bring that experience as best as possible to people who may be uninterested in going quite right. that deep, but they can still benefit from your experiences and from what you've learned. So I think that's yeah. a, I think that's a very interesting model. Um, yeah, we always talk about uh, how. You know, for us, it's really been a lot of work with ayahuasca and San Pedro. But we always talk about how they're the they're the best coaches we've ever had. Mm-hmm. So we model our what we're doing with people, you know, off of that. And um, I mean, 
personally speaking, I don't think I'm ever going to match up to the coaching style of San Pedro. But <laughs> and I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be able to bring my best and be able to bring that to people who aren't going to experience it. And you know, a lot of the things is like we were real fortunate to be able to be in a place where we could. I mean, the San Pedro, we could go down to the the market and just pick some up whenever. Mm-hmm. It's no problem. We drink um, a lot of coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so a lot that... of people who come to the retreats and. This one retreat was all they're going to be able to afford or get time off for or whatever for a long time. And, um, you know, maybe they scratched the surface or got down into that core. And now it's like, well, what do I do? And I know for me, when I was in that, you know, my core got exposed through the medicine. And now I'm like, okay, the core is exposed. I want to keep working with the medicine and keep understanding how to apply that knowledge in my life. I was able to have a regular meeting with my coach. Um, so for the people who get down, get down there, have three, four ceremonies and come back home, we want to be able to carry the same, same message as best we can sure. to the people who are trying to integrate that and need some, need some more time with the mirror. Yeah. Well, yeah. Go ahead. like John said at the beginning, um, a lot of people <laughs> like ayahuasca in particular is getting a lot of press, right? She's getting very popular in the press, <laughs> um, but I think the thing that's happening is that people are expecting, they have this expectation of I'm going to drink this medicine and it's going to heal me. Mm-hmm. And they don't necessarily, you know, most, most retreat centers, some of them have a diet you're supposed to follow before they try to help you create a container for the experience, but you really have no idea what you're about to do. And if you don't continue to kind of keep that container you can kind of come down and drink, you know, you spend all this money, do a retreat, drink the medicine, you feel great for a little bit. Um, but if you don't have a daily practice of like, I'm going to stay connected to what I got out of this, I'm going to stay connected to my highest self, I'm going to implement these changes in my life, it can go away really fast and you can kind of lose that connection. And so that's why we developed um, a psychedelic integration coaching program because we, we, we can help people develop the container before and keep it after. And we have all different lengths of time, like, you know, whatever. We're very flexible with what we're doing because we know there's lots of different budgets and, like, lots of different ways people want to work with us. Um, but what we saw over and over was I, I stayed really connected to a lot of the people that came through our retreat center, and they were struggling. They would, you know, they would be doing really great at the retreat, and then I'd see them you know, online or whatever, three or four months later, and like being really depressed and getting that, feeling that family connection that you feel in a retreat and then going back into your life where you maybe are isolated or not as connected. Um, our, we believe that there is one family, the human family. Mm-hmm. And we, our coaching circles are our family. And so like Mystical Heart Collective, the name of it is, a place where you can explore your mystical heart with the family. Sure. <laughs> That's why we named it that. And um, we really want to promote the, the family aspect. We, we plan to, um, we're just, just landing in the U.S., getting ourselves together, but we are going to be doing retreats and events where we will have, you know, three or four days of, we'll do some retreats in the U.S., but we will be doing medicine retreats eventually probably in Mexico. Um, so we want to bring that connection to 
the people that, you know, that find us and feel called to work with us. And um, both of us were very lucky to get to learn how to keep the fire. And, like, we did a lot of ceremonies. So the ceremonial aspect is a big part of what we do as well, like bringing that kind of everyday sacredness to everything that you do, that intention. We do a lot of um, talking about prayer and what that means because it has such a religious connotation in the U.S. of, like, Jesus-y kind of stuff, which is fine if that's what you're into. Um, but for us, prayer is intention, it's gratitude and like taking the time and attention to be grateful and to not always be like, I need to have this thing outside of myself or I, you know, that is the attachment that creates suffering. So we've been working a lot with gratitude in our own lives Mm -hmm. and it's such a powerful practice to look around your life and be like, wow, look at everything that I have. So that's the kind of stuff that we like to teach people. Yeah, we, um, you know, we learned it's like really, so the, our whole lives are a ceremony. And um, the time we come together around a fire and with the medicines and pray with the tobacco is a reminder of how the rest of our lives are supposed to be lived. And um, so, yeah, we've been really working in our own lives over the last couple of years to bring that, intention and attention to the things we're doing and you know walk in a sacred way as we do them sure which makes a big difference and i think that's uh, you know and that's uh those are some really good points there's something i want to touch on is um the practice and bringing it you know basically what you guys are talking about is another thing that i was shown in my ayahuasca experiences she basically told me we want you to come back and sit with us more but there are these things that you need to put into place like you, you got to, you scratched the surface this time and there's, there's lots more for you here, but I want you to go home. And she literally like was speaking to me in that way. She's like, I want mm-hmm. you to go home. I want you to focus on this, 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 and this, and then I'm going to call you back when it's time for you to come back. And, mm-hmm. and those things that she was, that she was asking me to do were very like simplistic things. Like I want you to focus more on bringing your head, your heart, and your body into alignment, like the three mm-hmm. major sectors of you. Um, I want you to focus on breath work, oddly, because during the ayahuasca ceremony, there's a lot of like people who are who kind of know what they're doing are doing breath work, and there's this whole cacophony of sounds, and people are purging and breathing and all this. <laughs> and I had like cursory, I had a cursory knowledge of what breath work was, but she was like, "I want you to practice that and mm-hmm. learn those techniques before you come back." And there were several other things that she kind of gave me, like a homework list almost. Yeah. And uh, so I came back to the States and I started to work on those things and learn about those things. And so all those things become a practice over time and it kind of keeps you, even if it's like I'm not just walking around like practicing my breathing all day or just (laughs) stopping randomly to do yoga, but just having that time each day to focus on that and stop Mm. all the monotonous craziness going on around us it keeps you in that uh, it keeps that place and it keeps your heart open like you were saying like mm-hmm. because the medicine opens you up right now right. you some people may come back or, or come leave their ceremony with an open heart and like you were saying Sinclair they may end up in a couple of weeks months later in a very uh, in a low place because they are open like that, but they're not, they're not feeding that part of themselves. And so because they're so open in that, in those, uh, few 
in the time after the ceremony, I feel like there's a possibility that you are vulnerable to you're more vulnerable than you would have been previous to the medicine if you're not working in your head and your heart to stay in those uh, practices of of prayer, humbleness, gratitude, um, the, all the things right. that you guys mentioned. So that what you're talking about, that's integration. Yeah. Like yeah. becoming the lesson is integration. That's what we want to support people in. Um, and we both had a really, when we left the retreat center, we stayed in Ecuador for six months and we really just did integration. That's what we did. Yeah. We were, it was hard. And, <laughs> um, but that's, that's what it was. And like stuff that I got out of my very first ayahuasca experience related to diet, actually, um, I'm, I'm almost completely vegan now. And it took me two years from getting that message to actually like get completely on board with that because it's hard to make those, you know, those really big changes with stuff like food. And, but a lot of it, people are expecting like, Oh, I, you know, I went and I saw these visions and I was like living my past lives and like, yeah, you do get some of that, but the real juice, the meat of that is like, you shouldn't eat meat or what, you know, she's like, please stop eating cheese. And I'm like, Oh, come on. Really? Cheese is like, so yeah, good. For you. <laughs> like, okay. And it's exciting to be like aligned with that. It feels really good. Mm -hmm. And instead of like, well, I got this message and then keeping like, because we were working with it so often going back to the medicine and she's kind of like, okay, well, have you done this stuff yet? And I'm like, well, I'm still working on this. And she's like, well, you don't really come ask for more until you do mm -hmm. what I've already given you. And people get disappointed because they're like, well, that's not what I asked for. And it's like, okay, but that's what you need. And that's more important. <laughs> we have a, that thing of like, you're not, you may not get what you want, but you will get what you need. Yeah. And you may not like it. But... If, you're, if, you're, if you're expecting ayahuasca to play by your rules, you're going to be sadly mistaken. <laughs> uh -oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> and I, yeah. And uh, I found that out in, in good ways and bad ways um, because, mm -hmm. you know, I had some experiences where I was, I was worried about things that I shouldn't have been worried about during ceremony. Right. And she's like, she's like, Hey, like, don't, you're worrying about the wrong thing. Like I, you're under my care right now. All that stuff mm -hmm. is good. Like just focus on what we're working on here. Stop distracting yourself. Like be here. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. uh, and that was, you know, she showed me that in a very gentle way. I've, you know, mushrooms have shown me that in a, in a little bit harsher way and, and other right. entheogens, you know, and those are sometimes, People like me, sometimes I need to learn lessons the hard way. You know, it's uh -huh. you know, like, because uh, that's John a. I love learning lessons the hard way. Uh -oh. with yeah, <laughs> I don't like love it. I don't love it, but I know it's necessary. So uh, when I'm going through it, I don't usually appreciate it, but I usually appreciate it once it's over with. You know, and I've kind of gotten the the gym, or uh, uh -oh. I've been shown where the gym is at, so I can dig a little deeper in there. Uh -oh. Something really cool that happened with me over like working with it for, for, you know, a couple of years was those, I needed less of that. And because I was listening, I was aware she didn't need to like, you know, give me the cosmic bitch slap. It was more like, all right, we're in school, like time for you to pay attention. And yeah. it was much, she, it's, it's really such a gentle medicine. People are really afraid of it, but it's, it's, that energy is so warm and loving and it's the feminine, you know, the container, like the mother water holding you. And 
she's harsh sometimes, like your grandma, and you need, you know, you need a lesson. Like, especially my Texas grandmother was like, I'm not going to tolerate that malarkey, you know? <laughs> but she, that, that spirit, I always, I would have this thing where I was like so scared to take ayahuasca, and then I would be with it, and she'd be like, why are you afraid of me? You know me. What? That, we're, we're, we go way back. I have that experience. Oh like, it's not going to hurt you. I have that and experience. Like you said, with the breath work, it's like learning how to do those techniques. You can really go deep with it and not get sick. Like, I don't get sick. I will dry heat a little bit, but I don't. It doesn't make me sick because that's not a thing that I need to, a way that I need to purge. Mm-hmm. And it helped me learn that I could keep the fire and like walk around on it and help people while they were not able to walk around. And that was really powerful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've been learning a lot about um, like all these practices you were talking about, breath work, and she was talking about diet is like really cultivating this vibration. Mm-hmm. And um, like for ourselves during this, time after we left the retreat center and man we were living in a city and I have a real hard time being like downtown in a city it's a lot of noises a lot of artificial stuff and I've I've come to learn like just how important it is first thing in the morning before I check the phone right before I am on the computer before I start talking to someone is like check in and meditate get into that place in my heart and when I set my day that way the rest of the day, I have that reference point to always fall back on. I mean, of course, I fall out of it. You know, I'm not, I'm not perfect. But oh, yeah. when I fall out on it, at least I've started from that place on the day. Yeah. Um, I know when I, you know, if I check my phone or I start getting up and working right away before checking in with myself, it's like it's much harder to find it halfway through the day than it is to return to it. Yeah. It's, it's – um, the breath work, the diet, the meditation, praying, gratitude is like all cultivating this like vibration within myself. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I can, when I can be vibing authentically with myself, it's like the day, my life, my outlook, everything just goes so much smoother. And it's almost like she's telling me, um, she's like, you don't need more psychedelics right now. Like you've been taking psychedelics for 15 years, you know? And uh, you've learned a lot, but what you need right now is to do some very, very simple, basic things. You don't need mm-hmm. you don't need more mind bending, profound experiences. You mm-hmm. need to you need to uh, ground yourself in in your life in general. Like you don't yeah. need to, you don't need to be floating around out in the cosmos right now. There's plenty of time for you to explore. You know that's partially that's another part of my personality is. I enjoy the the psychonaut the psychonaut aspect of it, mm-hmm. um, yeah. just as much as I this newfound spiritual aspect. So I, you know, this first time I was given mushrooms when I was seventeen, I was like, "Oh my god, this is the craziest shit!" Like, <laughs> like I can't believe that all you have to do is eat this little mushroom, and then you enter the most crazy theme park that you could ever imagine. You know. Right. And uh, so there's still that aspect of my personality too. And I'm trying to find where that fits in with the rest of it and kind of put that guy together with, you know, this new guy who's, who's praying and trying to be grateful and trying to practice yoga and breath work, like things that before this ayahuasca experience, for the most part, honestly, I thought was bullshit. Like, right. Just because I'm like, that's woo woo. That's nonsense. And then it's like, oh, wow. Like maybe there is actually something. <laughs> To all Isn't this. it funny? 
it, like, like the mind wants it, the answer to be so complicated. It wants it to be, and I'm with you, I can relate. I really like the, like, let's go way out there and see, let's, let's look at the fabric of the universe and the metaphysics of the whole thing. It's like, it, it interests my brain. Yeah. And it's like, my brain wants the answer for my life to also be some fractal infinite set of revolving wheels. Yeah. Crazy not? And it's like, no, the answer is just breathe. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, it's so simple. I missed it. Yeah. And I it, think it's important too. If you get, if you get the message, hang up the phone. Yeah. Like take a break because when you're constantly going back to the medicine and you're not, integrating what you're learning and practicing it in your life, uh -huh. the message starts to get diluted and it starts to, I mean, we know people who have drank a lot of plant medicine and they're not okay. Yeah. Like at all. Yeah. <laughs> and that can also, that's a real danger. That's a real danger. An yeah. Addiction like, or, or a crutch of, Oh, well I'm drinking these plants. So everything's cool. And I don't actually have to look at anything. Right. And when you, when you're really doing the work, you got to keep looking and you will always have to keep looking mm -hmm. and it, it's going to start getting smaller and smaller. You know, when you first started, maybe you had a bad addiction, maybe you're in a bad relationship and you've worked with yourself and you've grown. So now your problem is I'm eating too much cheese or whatever. It's like yeah. the problems get smaller because you are nice to yourself. You love yourself. You're taking care of yourself. And when you take care of yourself, you take care of everything in your life yeah. because you're in integrity with yourself. Yeah. So having drinking plants and taking psych psychedelics, like I feel a responsibility as someone who is, has a relationship with these plants to help other people cultivate a relationship with them rather than, you know, being like medicine bros of like, yeah, we just take all the DMT, whatever. It's like you have a responsibility to this earth to wake up and like wake other people up because we can't afford to keep being consumers and not enacting the lessons that we're getting because the plants are trying to tell us yeah. how to be better humans. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very, you know, just to retouch your point there, that's, it's, it's just interesting how we, you get these things and it takes a long time, you know, even in life before, even before, uh, like I started working on losing weight and, and, and becoming more healthy and, probably I didn't really give a shit about it until like 2015 and mm -hmm. still you know now it's 2020 and it's still it's still a process that I'm like learning about my body and what works and what doesn't work and so it's like I had this epiphany one day but it's been five years in the making and it's still a work in progress and mm. it's like I I guess every important thing in life is like that like you don't just yeah. you don't just take you don't drink the ayahuasca and are immediately fixed of all your problems there's no magical pill to lose 100 pounds you know it's it's all a part of the process and then once we can learn to once we can realize that the process like you're saying is the ceremony you know like mm -hmm. our whole life is the prayer that's something that uh, uh i was in a i was in a peyote ceremony like three months mm -hmm. ago Nice. Yeah, it was awesome. It was. I'm going to another one in about a month. Um, oh, sweet. Yeah, I'm really excited. <laughs> I really like the peyote ceremony, the uh, the uh, Native American style ceremony for that. But the, in the teepee with the half moon altar and yeah. rattles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really cool. We like that. <laughs> um, and the shaman, he's like, he was saying at 
one point during the night, he's like, hey, I know that we're in here and we're focused on our prayers and, uh, you know, we're all involved in the ceremony. But he's like, this is practice. Like what we're doing right now is mm-hmm. practice. The real prayer happens tomorrow morning when we exit the teepee to greet the sun. Like the uh-huh. prayer, the prayer is your life. And mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, that's just it's it's like another way of saying all this stuff that we've been discussing in the last few minutes here. But um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I was thinking when you were saying it's like, you know, one of the, that was one of the things that I came to the medicine with. Like I was telling you at the beginning, I had this checklist. I thought, you know, graduate school, blah, 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 blah. I was like, I'll be complete. It, the journey will be over. I will have arrived. And, you know, when I got to where I thought arriving was, I was sort of thoroughly disappointed. And what I've come to learn with the help of, ayahuasca and san pedro is that you know we're on this literally infinite journey of evolution and it's you're always going to be moving up so it's like before i really felt that and experienced that that is a truth for myself i was always trying to rush to the end Mm -hmm. and like now that i see that there is no end it's like if i'm on this infinite staircase let me stop and really enjoy the staircase that i'm on right now and not try to get to the next one so quick stop smell the roses enjoy the view and know that like even when i do make it to the next step that there's a step after that so there's no there's no rush exactly and you know that's odd because once again this is like so many things come up during the psychedelic experience but in in one of my ayahuasca drinkings uh there was a point where it was so intense like just the entire experience was so intense like this onslaught of like just visions and psychedelia and emotion and it was just overwhelming and uh yeah. i remember asking like when is this gonna end when is this gonna end and she's like she's like it's gonna end when we're finished like you know like you why did you come all the way to peru to do this if you don't want to sit here and be with me right now and i'm right. like because i'm scared like this is terrifying and uh you know she's she's she kind of talks me through and she's like why are you so terrified like are you scared because this is intrinsically scary or are you scared because you're because you're reacting to something you don't understand in a a way of fear and so like we have to go through that whole process and then when it's (laughs) over I'm like oh yeah this is beautiful like I should be here smelling the flowers and enjoying this rung of the ladder and, yeah. But it took it took that whole progression to get to that understanding, you know, and the first part of that progression is not fun. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, but it's very, very necessary. really good at teaching you how to surrender. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then when you learn how to surrender in, in that medicine space, you look at the rest of your life and you're like, man, I'm just, I'm struggling. I'm making it hard on myself mm. when you could just, accept like just accept you're gonna feel shitty a lot that's what happens you feel great and then something happens you feel shitty you have to allow yourself to feel that way Mm -hmm. and when we can teach ourselves to be gentle with ourselves like we were talking about your you know your journey with like losing weight i that's an area for me where i was always like just so mean to myself about you need to be this other way and when i started eating food for health and for take care of the temple that I have as my body, everything got so much easier. And I stopped listening to those like advertisements of like, oh, you know, you're not super thin, so you should Mm. feel shitty about yourself. And that is not, those voices don't 
tell me how to feel about myself. Mm-hmm. Now I get to decide what I put in my body, and I like to put things in my body that align with joy and align with love, and mostly that's plants. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's that that surrendering to, like, this is what I have. This is what I got to work with. This is the body that I came in on, and I'm going to take care of it because it's special. Uh-huh. It's great exactly how it is, and everyone is beautiful exactly how they are. And yeah. It's such a beautiful way to look at the world. Mm-hmm. And it's when you can look into every person and find their humanity and their higher spirit and know that that is also you, it's pretty easy to be in a good mood, you know? <laughs> yeah. I feel you. And, but and that's a you know that's a difficult thing to cultivate for some of us myself included because yeah. i've spent my entire life being so uh hard on myself and so overly aggressive toward myself and she you know it's like dude just like give yourself a little grace you know be you yeah. don't have you don't have to be so mean to yourself like would you ever treat anybody else like that no i would never no. treat somebody like that why would you treat yourself like that if you're if you would be no. completely unwilling to treat another person like that it's it's mm-hmm. so bizarre how we like get that let that guy be so loud mm-hmm. in our heads and sometimes mm-hmm. you need strong medicine to shut that guy up you know and uh, yeah uh-huh yeah uh-huh Meditation is really powerful to separate that, become kind of the observer instead of I am that voice. When you start to meditate regularly, you kind of learn how to have a thought or a feeling. And instead of the feeling is the, you know, you feel you react Mm -hmm. or this voice is going on and you're like, oh yeah, that's true. I am a loser. I am a jerk. I'm fat, whatever thing that you say to yourself. Mm -hmm. When you start to meditate, you start to get some space between the thoughts, and then you can be like, actually, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm amazing, and you're a liar. And um, it's funny, so I do a, a workshop, I just, I just recorded it, we're about to put it on our website, it's called Intentional Magic for Self-Love, mm-hmm. and it's a workshop where we teach you how to write affirmations based on what you say, what the mean shit that you say to yourself. Yeah, right. Um, because it's like, for me, it was the first place that I started trying to reprogram my brain to say nice things to me instead of, you know, you're not lovable because you're not a tiny blonde girl. Yeah. And now when I think about how I used to talk to myself, it's, so, it's, it's like, how did I spend so many years being mean to myself? I'm so awesome. Why would I ever say mean? Look at this. Look at yeah. this guy. I'm so lucky. Yeah. Like, and Absolutely. I, I see so many people that that is where it starts, is that like negative self-talk and those ways that we don't even recognize that we're saying, well, you kind of suck like all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I really like this workshop because it helps you rec- like identify those negative thought patterns and then create new ones. Um, and one of my favorite things is putting post-its around the mirror. Mirrors are super powerful. Mm. I had an experience in Ecuador because Ecuador doesn't really have like full body mirrors um, anywhere. So I was living, I didn't have one for over a year. And then we went to Tulum and there was a full-length mirror in our apartment, and I immediately started saying, like, mean shit to myself. Like, oh, you shouldn't wear that bikini or whatever. Uh-huh. And I noticed, uh, I was like, oh, I feel bad about myself. I'm like, why? What is different? I was eating a lot of tacos, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it was a mirror. Yeah. And so um, putting these affirmations around your mirror where you can, you know, you look at yourself and you start saying bad stuff, 
It says, like, I love myself, I'm beautiful, I'm sexy, I'm funny, like, whatever things that you end up writing to yourself, you can kind of, like, I'll send it to you when it's finished. We're almost done with it, so. Yeah. Um, you can try it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry, my boss just texted me. She threw me off my train of thought. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, dude, that's a good point. Um, whenever I first started focusing on losing weight in, like, 2015, I lived in this tiny little FEMA trailer, and it was a... I mean, I had completely customized it. It was a piece of shit, but it was home for me for a long time. So rest from in peace. Hurricane Irene. Uh, from Katrina is actually after oh, I, wow. I got it after Katrina. Yeah. Uh, I'd had it for a long time. Um, yeah. Um, I got it at an auction for like a thousand dollars. It was like a hundred oh, yeah. square feet, but I lived in it. For I used to work for the Red Cross, so that's why I was asking. Because yeah. There, I knew there was a lot of people like still living in those. You know, I lived, a decade later. I lived in it for most of a decade. Um, yeah. yeah, but, um, I started just scrawling like, uh, inspirational and aspirational things all over the walls. And yeah. by the time I was done, I had lost like 85 pounds and like my entire, the entire inside of the trailer looked like a psychopath lived there. <laughs> like, my friends would come in and they'd be like, what is going on in here? I'm like, bro, it's just something I had to do. Just don't like, don't worry about it too much. It's it's a long story, but it worked, you know? And that's because every day when I would wake up, I would like open my eyes and like scrawled all over my walls and ceiling would be all these things telling me that I could do it. And that I was badass. and, you know, it'd be lyrics from songs. It would be quotes from people that I looked up to. It'd be pictures of people that I admired this, that, and the third. And, uh, it was like being surrounded by the physical presence of that every day was such a, uh, such a driver to me. It was like, how could I not have a good day today when I have all this like amazing inspiration first thing right. when I wake up? So that that's I mean, I can attest to that. That was a probably one of the main factors in my success at that point was just writing crazy shit on my wall it's, all the time. You're essentially casting spells. Like that is magic. That's how the world works. When you decide to have abundance and you put yourself in the middle of it. It comes to you and everyone's like, it can't be that. No way. And it's like, yeah, that's how it works. This whole time you've been bringing, you know, when you talk shitty to yourself all the time, you're telling yourself that you deserve not to have whatever Mm. abundance that life wants to give you. And the universe is like, oh, you don't want this. Okay. Well, here's some shitty stuff instead, you know? Yeah. And I continue to be amazed at how, much power this stuff has Mm. and like you said i come from kind of a you know i was an atheist like science person for a really long time and these medicines like really connected me to the idea of god and then i understood that i am god and if i'm god then i can create whatever i want and it it you know all that woo -woo stuff is like it's real yeah and it's exciting to know that you have this power of manifestation that you Mm. have this power of action and intention that can completely change your circumstances really whenever you decide to change them. Mm. So that's why we became transformational coaches because we want to help people use their own magic power to make their life awesome because so many people are not living their purpose and the earth needs you to live your purpose so that we can like not, you know, it's so odd looking back in hindsight now at that time in my life and thinking about like how much of that like eight or nine month span meant to me 
And then, like, if I trace it back, I think that that was probably one of the most pivotal pivotal sections of my life because that got me back into school. Then mm-hmm. I got then I got through school. So then I got a decent job. And then I was able to have money to go travel to Peru where I had this mm-hmm. completely life-altering, you know, experience. So it's like maybe that little thing that I did right there – Mm. Not maybe it definitely no, it like didn't. it definitely was like the precursor to it was the first like stepping stone. Well, it probably wasn't mm-hmm. the first, but it was a it was a big right. one, you know. Um, so it's interesting in hindsight to look back and see, and then maybe look to the future, like what's gonna be, you know, where are these stones yeah. gonna lead eventually. I guess yeah. we just keep hopping from stone to stone until we uh, forever. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do like. Right now we have like a 10-week little miracle that we're working on manifesting. And then we have a seven-year vision of, well, our business being this huge, amazing thing that helps a load of people. And us having a sanctuary, a house where we can have ceremonies and stuff. So, yeah, like setting those goals and then, you know, doing these the the work around um, visualizing and you know manifesting with your words and your intentions and uh your actions Mm. it's really powerful to have those things to look at but Mm -hmm. i think the most powerful thing is to start with gratitude for what you have when you can cultivate that um that feeling of i already have it and you we do a gratitude practice every day where we just sit and like say everything that we're grateful for like the food we eat there's a million beautiful little songbirds here that I, you know, coming from Texas, we have songbirds, but we don't like up in North Carolina. There's so many. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh my! I keep looking out the window. I'm like, oh my god, they're right there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had this experience that, um, you know, we were we're taking these coach trainings and they're talking about manifesting and they're like explaining, you know, this visualization, this talking about this thing that's going on in the future, and then feeling it like you already have it. And something was, like, missing, right? It's, like, this feeling like I already had this thing in the future was, like, felt very, like, I was lacking something. So I started to, you know, connect myself to, okay, like, you know, I'll use, I I wanted to make a little more money as an example. And I'm like, well, what do you want that money for? Because you don't just want it to have it. And I'm like, "I, I want it to be able to take care of my mom take care of my partner, take care of my sister, to be able to, you know, rent out a place to do retreats and introduce more people to ceremony and talking about all this stuff I want to do in the future. And then I had this realization that, like, you know, it may not be with money right now, but it's, I get to take care of my partner. I get to cook her food. I get to help my mom with this. We did a blessing ceremony on her house last night, saged it, and put some tobacco on the fire and called in all the things we wanted for a house. I'm like, I'm already doing the thing. It looks a little different, but I already have what I want in my life right now. And that feeling is like just so relieving to like, I don't need or want anything. I have it. And like, <laughs> just yeah. relax and be like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sure. For what I already have. And man, that, being grateful, saying thanks for what I have feels so good. Yeah. And we all have, we all have that opportunity in our lives every day. Um, Mm. for some of us, you know, for some people it's easier to, to realize that, to see it. But, um, you know, you have to, you just have to look 
and and mm. look in a in an honest manner and say, dude, my life is fantastic. You know, even through the difficulties and even and the triumphs, but for yeah. the most part, man, I have all this love around me. My family loves me. I have a beautiful partner. You know, I have a dog that is a fucking awesome. Like mm. all these cool things. So it's like. Man, you should definitely give yourself more love because you can give yeah. yourself more love. You can give everybody and everything around you more love and really just enjoy well, it. Man, I, I mean, I can tell talking to you that you love yourself because your vibe is nice. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> you got a nice smile. You're good to talk to. You can, I mean, even through the computer, we can feel your warmth. I appreciate you know, it's that. Like, it's, it does wonders for you to be to be vibing that way. Yeah, I agree. Well, and when you can cultivate that and you take that out in the world with you, you know, maybe you're getting a coffee or something, just giving someone a smile and starting a little conversation with them and sharing a little bit of that vibe. Mm -hmm. That's what we used to tell people at the retreat center is like, you are the only medicine that some people will ever see Mm -hmm. or ever have in their lives. So you have to be that for everyone that you meet. And that comes from going through some really dark stuff. The darker the stuff, the bigger the light, you know? Yeah. People are like, well, you know, I shouldn't have to suffer or whatever. And it's like, yes, you do. <laughs> I, I cannot believe that I say now, like, I am so grateful for my addiction. Mm. I am so grateful that I got to have that addiction because it made me amazing. Mm. It made me, I'm resilient, I'm powerful. And I know that I can do whatever I set my mind to because I over because I overcame that. I healed it. I healed it for myself. I healed it for my whole family, my ancestral line, my father. My dad died from addiction. He ended up going to prison and dying there. And yeah. I was able to transmute that into light. And it's like when you start walking around in your life like, yeah, no big deal. I just overcame a addiction that kills a lot of people. You're like, I'm pretty badass. <laughs> yeah, that's very, that's and very it's, powerful. It's really an honor. It's my greatest honor to have found this purpose in my life to be able to share these oh. teachings and to like coach people because getting to work with other people and help them find their own power is mm. so awesome. And I, mm. I just we love this work and getting to do it with this person that I love so much is like the best thing ever. Um, and we're so excited to be back in the U S and to get to like start meeting people in person and having our events and, yeah, we're going good, good, good to be traveling to Texas soon, so oh, yeah? we'll have to link up and yeah. come on down. Get a rattle and water drum going on. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> what part of Texas are y'all coming to? Austin? Yeah, so we'll come. We'll be staying in Amarillo, where my family is, for okay. a little while, but we'll definitely be coming to Austin. We're looking at um, here in Asheville to, or around Austin to make our new home base. We haven't decided where we want to live yet. So yeah. We're just taking our time. We're like, we don't know. Hell yeah. Right. Just, Dude. We don't, we're not in a hurry. Like we, our families are so excited to have us back. They're just like, stay with us as long as you want. So we're, we really want to buy a property somewhere. So we're kind of spending a few weeks here, a few weeks there to see how we like it. And, for sure. For sure. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of me and me and my, uh, me and my girl are kind of working on getting some property and stuff too. I'm building, nice. I'm building a tiny home inside a bus right now. So Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it is. It well, it's awesome in theory. In practice, it's pretty uh it's pretty difficult. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, I can imagine. I, I was obsessed with van life for a while and I would just like obsessively watch YouTube videos and I'm just like, Oh my god. The amount of work you have to do to get this 
tiny little house going. It's but then insane. you're like, I live in this van. Yeah, that's why I'm like, man, I'm going to finish this bus. I'm going to drive it to Peru. I'm, I don't even know if that's physically possible, but I'm going to try. <laughs> no, I, don't I, think, think, I think that you can. I think that you can, yeah. I think so. I think with a, with a little bit of cash and some balls, you could probably get it done. But yeah. that's a long Absolutely. drive through some tre- possibly treacherous territory. But we'll see how that right. goes. Got to finish the bus first. Um... Let's see. So let me let me ask you something about this. Maybe a little bit more, a little harder question. Um, so what I wrote here is, what is our role in coaching or facilitating? Is this our responsibility or our prerogative? Or and what I mean by this question is, this is something that I ask myself sometimes um, because I'm working with uh, a couple people in my life who are interested in using these medicines. I feel that I would never refer to myself in any way as a shaman or even a facilitator really but i have experience with with certain uh specific medicines that i've been using for a long time so i feel comfortable in sitting with them and helping them um undergo these experiences as kind of a tertiary character to the to them and the medicine um yeah. but there's there's this uh, there's this voice in my head that says who do you think you are to offer this to people when you still have so much to do within yourself? Can you guys talk about that kind of concept that I'm sure everybody who wants to help people in this manner responsibly probably asked themselves that question as well? So I'll talk a little bit about myself is like, you know, we worked in the person who carried the medicine and served it there worked, um, with this tradition, it's an organization called the Sacred Fire of It's Chitman. And they have a long training process. At four vision quests, you do four, seven, nine, and 13 days with no food or water on a mountain alone. And after those, you have to do four sun dances where you pierce your skin and rip some of your skin off as an offering uh, for your prayers. They believe that your body is the only thing you own in this life, so it's the only thing you can offer. Um, and after this seven to eight year process, then you're eligible to be training to serve the medicine. So it's quite a long process, and every culture and every tradition has their own way of going through that. So I know for myself, I would never, I'm, I'm not comfortable serving medicine to anyone. Um, we, we both took care of the fire, um, during these ceremonies is a fire-based tradition. So they have a fire in the center and, you know, we were asked to help, hey, can you take care of this fire? And, hey, can you help do this in the ceremony? And I feel pretty comfortable doing that stuff. Um, and then, you know, for the people here who have asked me about medicine, my kind of rule of thumb has been to talk about my experience, never offer any suggestions, never say, you know, oh, I think this would really help you or you should go do this or, you know, this is the place that I went. It's like, you know, let me ask you some questions and dig into what you really feel about it. Mm-hmm. We can help uncover how you feel about it. Um, or I can share with you my experience and you can take that or leave it or whatever you want to do with it. But sure. uh, I, you know, I've realized, you know, I've been in some ceremonies. Um, we went to ceremonies all over while we were down there. And you know, some of the ceremonies were, we were in, people were on medicine, and the, the um, shaman was telling them, 
you know, it sounds like this is what's going on with you. It sounds like you need to work on this. And when you're open and you're looking to someone for help and we watch these people onboard what they said and they're like, you're right. And I was watching this and I'm asking myself, well, is that right? Or are they just onboarding it because someone suggested it? Someone yeah. in an authority, a place of authority. Exactly. So watching, watching that and seeing how it made me feel to watch someone else, you know, direct someone like that. I know for myself, I want no part of that. Sure. And, um, you know, if at some point later in my life, the medicine, you know, right now doing this integration, doing this coaching has been like my task to be of service. Mm-hmm. In the past, it was working at the retreat center. It was doing a lot of this there and it was working in the fire and taking care of that for the people. And the medicine let me know when it was time to do that, those things. And if that evolves into something else, you know, I'm open to it, but I'm definitely not looking for it because okay. that is a lot of responsibility sure. to be taken on. Our our friend would say before every ceremony, I put my life here in the fire. If anything happens in this ceremony, may it please happen to me first. And that's a heavy that's a heavy burden. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> so I'll, and I kind of yeah, just so wanted to I, I kind of brought that up just to get to the to the kind of the idea of people who are working with this um, and when it's okay to give ourselves the go ahead to not necessarily to uh, administer medicine, but when it's okay that we, that we feel that we're secure enough in assisting people through these difficult things or in these manners. And I guess, you know, go ahead. So we don't, we don't do trip setting or like medicine facilitation in the U S at all, Uh just because of the legal issues. Sure. Um, but, and when we have uh, our own, you know, our retreat through our business, we will have shamans who have been through the training and we will be facilitating. But we have, you know, we have sat with hundreds of people during these experiences. I would feel very comfortable doing it, mm-hmm. but we don't do it because we, because of the legal issue, because we really can't condone or assist anyone doing something that is illegal because we respect the laws of our country. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that is why I wanted to do an integration training. So we, we've done, um, we're in the process of doing a training where we, it's based on addiction recovery and psychedelic integration. And it's a very academic, very thorough kind of, um, certification in doing this work um but they don't do trip setting either because for the same reason it's like we're not in a place where we want to remotely be near a line of (laughs) of legality or whatever because what we're doing is coaching and coaching for free um we would never have like any retreats that we have in the u.s would be completely no medicine Mm -hmm. other than cacao which is completely legal here um but if we decide, when we decide to go do a medicine retreat, we're going to do it in a country where they have a relationship with the government. To us, medicine is basically, I mean, it's like our religion. So there's lots of ways that you can, um, you know, with like the Native American church and there's different organizations, Santo Daime, the Peyote Way Church. Like there are lots of 
practicing religious groups that are using plant medicines, um, my advice would be to find out how to become a member of those just to protect yourself, you know. Sure. Um, the mushrooms, we have a couple of friends who run mushroom retreats in Mexico, and they, you know, they have a really strong tradition there. And I think kind of what John was saying is, like, finding, finding a teacher or finding an elder, someone who you trust to work with and to be your teacher and your mentor, there's lots of different traditions that you can follow. Mm-hmm. And finding something that works for you, because ultimately the medicine is the person, is the person, is the medicine gives you permission. Like, the medicine teaches you how to work with it. Mm-hmm. And the medicine tells you if, if it's your calling or not. Um, and there's lots of ways to be in service that are not directly giving medicine to people. Mm-hmm. Um, like John was saying, you know, we we wanted to work with I wanted to work with shamans who I felt could carry that weight. And the, we were so lucky. Like our medicine family is they they did some they did one of the most rigorous, if not the most rigorous, like Lakota based. They they're all their traditions are from North America and they brought medicine into it from South America. So it's mm-hmm. like this hybrid system that they created, it's from Mexico and it's hardcore. It's hardcore. <laughs> um, you know, I, I have, I felt a calling to work with the medicine and there was a time where I was working really closely with San Pedro and kind of questioning, like, do I need to do, am I supposed to do this shaman training? And I realized very quickly, like, that's not, for me, mm-hmm. because I don't want to sit on a mountain for whoever knows how many days and not eat food or water. That's just not my style. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I greatly respect the people that do go out. I mean, they go out, they sit, they connect with nothing but themselves, the great spirit. And, you know, the second two, they give them a lot of medicine. They drink a lot of medicine by themselves out in the middle of nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's an intense commitment, and it is a responsibility. And every time that, you know, you're making an agreement with someone, whether it be trip setting or you're giving them the medicine or whatever, it's you're responsible for that person. And understanding the gravity and the um, profundity of that is really important mm-hmm. because if something happens to them, that's you're with them, that's with you, and that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so we take that responsibility really seriously with our coaching because that's the agreement that we're making is that we will be responsible to you as your professional coach. And, you know, we're not counselors. We don't do – we're not – we don't diagnose anything. We don't do treatment for anything. We don't even work with people who are in active addiction. If you want to work with us, you have to be out of – your acute addiction, you have to be detoxed and you have to have a little bit of time away from that because we can't work with an, with an addicted person. It's just too difficult because we can't really get to them. So we have this whole disclaimer on our website around like being really clear about what coaching is and, you know, what we do and don't do. And um, that's a really good question. And, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a serious it's something that you that needs to be thought about and um, taken seriously because this is blowing up right now. Like psychedelics in America are on their way to being legal, mm-hmm. and it's you know kind of like with cannabis. It's like you see how in some places it's completely legal, and it's just out of control. Yeah. <laughs> so 
you know, making sure that you understand the parameters of like what you're willing to accept and what you're willing to take responsibility for is really important. And mm -hmm. making sure people understand that working with medicine is not necessarily, it's one way, it's one tool. It's my favorite tool, I think it's the best tool, but there's lots and lots and lots of tools, therapy, like traditional medicine, like all of these different things can work together. So yeah, that's kind of a rambling answer, but. <laughs> no, no, that's very would, good, you touched. I would say that, um, you know, kind of brought up while you were talking that like, you know, we've, we've helped out in a lot of ceremonies. We've sat with people who are really struggling, sat with people who completely out of their body and talked with people who are, you know, having meltdowns. And I feel very comfortable doing that. However, like I said, there is always that guy who is saying, I take responsibility for this ceremony and for everything that goes on here. Mm -hmm. And I would never do any of what I feel comfortable doing without someone else taking the weight, taking that responsibility, because I know for myself, I'm not in the place to, well, I don't want to take that responsibility first off, but I don't, yeah. you know, I worked with a lot of medicine and I've been doing a lot of hard work with myself, but, um, you know, it's a long road to feel like, okay, yeah, let's, let's take the weight of someone else too. Yeah. Or multiple people at once. Sure. <laughs> right. sure. We've seen some crazy shit. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Like I said, I've only... Ayahuasca, I've only drank twice, and I've seen some crazy shit. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure it's not, you know, there's probably no comparison between the amount of crazy shit that you guys have seen. But yeah, it's... Once, an, once is enough, brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, we have some good stories. It's pretty fun. I bet. It was, a, it was a fun time being down there. It's a great... South America is amazing. So you guys uh, spent most of your time in Ecuador... Um, we're at an hour and a half right now, so it's up to you guys. We can continue on, or we can start to close it up. What do you guys feel like? So yeah, um, let's let's start to wind down. Sounds good. Okay, so I'm gonna ask you one final question here, um, without making it too in depth. Um, to tell you what, let's just why don't you go ahead and tell me what uh, the listeners need to know about the Mystical Heart Collective. Where can they find you? What's coming up for that project? And cool, just thanks. yeah. Yeah, so our website is mysticalheartcollective.com, um, and you can find all sorts of answers to whatever question you have about what we do out there. I'd like to say that we, you know, what we're offering, we offer group coaching, we offer individual coaching on various lengths, anywhere from six weeks up to a year. Um, we have workshops. We're working right now to get some meditations, songs, all sorts of stuff up there. What um, we want that to be our hub to share what we learned working with these traditions, with these medicines, with the rest of the world. And um, we also do um, the first call is completely free. We do a consultation just for people to try it out and see, you know, what is it like to do coaching. You can sign up with us anytime for that um, on our Facebook page. Mystical Heart Collective, um, there's, uh, we have like an offer up where you can click and set up a call with us. You can send us a message. Our email is hello at mysticalheartcollective.com. Um, we're really flexible and excited to be doing this work and connect with people. And, you know, if you're like, I like to say, are you coaching curious? 
Like, let's, let's get on the phone because that's what really what we do. Like having a conversation with us is the best way to see what this coaching thing is about and kind of experience it a little bit and for us to get a little uh, knowledge around what you're looking for and what we can help you with. We can coach anybody on anything. Um, like we mentioned at the beginning, we have addiction recovery and psychedelic integration like specialty. Um, but we, we will work with anything. Like we love helping people get rid of their money blocks or call in romance or whatever thing that they are, wherever you're stuck, coaching will work for you. It's, Again, it's magic. Yeah. We, our, our main belief that all this whole thing is founded on is that each of us has the answer it is that we're looking for. So, you know, we're not here to tell you what to do with your life. We're not here to fix your problems. We're not here to make suggestions. We're here to ask the right questions so you can find the answers that you have hidden within yourself more easily. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, we, we'd love to be, you know, part of your process to, to help live whatever your dreams are. And we're um, on Instagram also at Mystical Heart Collective. We post – we believe in – like we want to give away as much content as we can. Like John wrote our first blog recently. Um, we do a lot of kind of, well, you've been following us, you know, like, like we want to do inspirational stuff that's practical for every day. And we love being vulnerable of like, I did this dumb thing. Let me help you by not making this mistake that I made. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, we like to, we're just getting our accounts going because we just started, but we like to be silly and have fun and, you know, post lots of cool psychedelic, cool visionary shamanic art. And, um, you know, we our business is about personal relationships. We are not interested in, like, having some mass following and not getting to have personal connections with people like if you hire us you're working with us it's just us (laughs) so you can pick which one of us you like on the group coaching we take turns so you get a little bit of both and all of our private coaching packages come with group coaching so you got two full hours a week of coaching or getting coached in a group and um a workshop we do we have facebook group um what else yeah, you Our hilarious emails, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's about it. I've been following you guys via uh, Facebook. I'll, I'll follow you on Instagram and all that good stuff. This episode won't air for a couple weeks now, but cool. um, in that in the interim time, so when people listen to this, I will have already posted several different things from your guys' face. I'll just share some of your stuff because I, I yeah. read uh, I read part of the blog and then I also read John's post. Um, just one of the posts that you made that was pretty good. Um, so yeah, and it's great. I think it's great to help, you know, my project, your project. Yeah, we feel the same together. way. We're so, excited to promote your podcast. Thank you, cool thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, I really would like to kind of like build a, uh, be involved in connecting all these various different projects because uh, there's mm-hmm. so many good ones going on. Like my next episode coming out is a local Houstonian. Uh, a disabled veteran named Andy Melder, and he is like a, a plant medicine activist here in the local Houston area. Nice. Yeah, he's a super awesome. cool dude. Yeah, he's like a combat vet. Um, but cool. anyways, you know, like I'm, ju- I just, I've been podcasting now for like two years, but I just transitioned into this like psychedelic yeah. entheogen focused uh project. 
And I've already met so many cool people and literally in less than a month, I'm like, dude, this is awesome. Like, yeah, yeah. It, um, I'm, I'm really excited um, to be a part of my project and to be involved in your project and to help. Yeah, thank you so much. Both. We feel the same way. It's like every, every new person we meet uh, who's working in this field and talking about this and healing themselves is like, we got another family member now. And, I feel the uh, same way. Yeah, we're man. Uh, I'm really happy to have met you. You get you got an awesome vibe. And Thanks, man. We'll Same make it happen in person too. Yeah, when we for can. sure. Yeah, I I hope. You've I would... been in Austin and only like three hours apart. Yeah, no, and I haven't been to Austin in a long time, and it, I love Austin. Like, I could definitely see myself settling down there one of these days. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, but it's a good place. I love we'll see. Austin. We may end up moving back there. Yeah. <laughs> right on, y'all. Well, it was, it was a pleasure to meet you. Um, thank y'all you so much for coming on the show. The all of the social medias and websites are the so Facebook is Mystical Heart Collective. It's actually facebook.com slash Mystical Heart Collective. Okay. And then Instagram, we're at Mystical Heart Collective. Those are really the only two. We're on LinkedIn, but we don't really yeah, right. like we're not really LinkedIn people, you know. So just to make <laughs> sure make sure that the listeners are able to hear this clearly, because the my, the quality of my audio is going to be slightly better than the quality of your audio. So it's yeah. Mystical right. Heart Collective. That's their yeah. website. That's their Facebook. That's also Instagram. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I'm going to share a lot of their stuff in the coming weeks. So once again, guys, thank you so much for doing the show. I really thank appreciate you. it. You too, brother. Be good, nice man. We'll talk to y'all again soon, okay? Can't wait to see you. <laughs> Alright, thanks, Bye. guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs> and there you have it, folks. That was Sinclair Fleetwood and John Steiner of the Mystical Heart Collective. Follow them on social media. Check out their website. Those guys are doing some excellent work. It was a pleasure speaking with them and meeting them. Uh, I really am so grateful for the people that I'm meeting on this show and the guests that I'm having. I hope you guys are enjoying this because I sure as hell am. I'm having a blast talking to all these awesome people. Um, Last thing we're going to do before we leave you is ask you to uh, subscribe, rate, review, like, share as you already are. I certainly appreciate everyone who's interacting on various social media platforms and I hope more than anything that you're enjoying the show and that you're gleaning useful Um, and interesting information from the guests that we're having here. Thank you so much for joining us for Psychedelicast. And this episode will end with a quote from one of my favorite visionary artists, Alex Gray. I believe this to be a perfectly fitting quote to close this one out. The infinite vibratory levels, the dimensions of interconnectedness are without end. There is nothing independent. All beings and things are residents in your awareness. Thank you for tuning into the show, ladies and gentlemen. And as always, thank you for joining us in prying open the third eye. Take care. We love you.